Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. We have on this site over 3,400 audios featuring great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea, other lands, Bible studies. You can now go to Google Play Store and the Apple Store and download the Church One app for sermon audio. My books are on Amazon.com and you can contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor by William Gurnall, the English Bible scholar and pastor who died in 1679. The topic today, How to Be Girded with the Profession of Truth. The worst that enemies can do is imprisonment or death, but love is strong as death. It kills the very heart of death itself. Love does not complain about suffering. Jacob endured the heat of the day and the cold of the night for the love of Rachel. Love is venturous. Jonathan threw away a kingdom and met the anger of an enraged father for David's sake. Love never thinks of itself as a loser as long as it keeps its beloved. It is ready for any danger so it can sacrifice itself for its chosen one. This kind of love has made saints abandon their worldly possessions, family relations, even their bodies with joy, not counting it loss to part with them. They love not their lives unto the death, Revelation 12:11. Life itself became their enemy when it came between them and truth. A man does not love his arm or leg too much to keep it if it hazards the rest of his body. He agrees to have it cut off. And thus David courageously kept his priorities straight when his life was at stake. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, said David, but I will consider thy testimonies. A carnal heart would consider the danger to his business, wife, children, or at least his own life. But David's heart was fixed on a better subject. He focused on God's testimonies and the sweetness pouring in upon his soul as he meditated on them. The more he cleaved to truth, the more his troubles seemed but light afflictions. It is a mystery to the world why men will risk their lives for what it thinks are only opinions. When our Savior told Pilate that he had come into the world to bear witness to the truth, Pilate asked, What is truth? It is as if he had said, Is this any time to be thinking about truth when your life is in such danger? What is truth anyway that you should venture so much for it? The saint full of God's grace might better ask in holy scorn, What are the riches and honors and the fading pleasures of this cheating world? What is life itself that any or all of these should oppose truth. Every man goes where his love carries him. If the world has your love, you will spend your life for it. But if truth has your love, you will interpose with your life rather than let it be mangled. Be careful that your love for truth is sincere, or it will leave you at the prison door. There are three kinds of impostors whose love is not likely to endure the fiery trial. First is those who use truth for carnal advantage. Sometimes truth pays well for her board in the world's own coin, a profitable arrangement 
which provokes men to invite her in often. These people do not really love truth, only the diamond in her ear. In the days of Henry VIII, many were zealous against abbeys, yet they loved their property more than they hated their idolatry. Truth finds few people who love her freely just for herself, and only those few will suffer with truth and for it. When the worldly dowry is gone, the unfaithful are bored with their union with truth. The kitchen fire burns no longer than the fuel with which profit feeds it. If you cannot love naked truth, you will not be willing to go naked for truth. And if you cannot love disgraced truth, you will never agree to be disgraced for its sake. And then secondly, those who talk about truth but do not live it. Often people will not let truth come anywhere near them. They recommend it, but are like one who entertains a suitor and speaks highly of him, but would not think of marrying him. It is one thing to kiss and caress, but another really to love. Buchalceras often said that many kiss Christ, but few love him. True love for him means the holiest marriage. When a soul gives up itself because of an inward drawing to Christ as to a husband, to be ruled by his spirit and ordered by his word of truth, here is a soul that loves Christ and his truth. The one who refuses to obey truth, however, is so far away from loving it that he becomes afraid of it. And he will persecute truth before he will ever suffer for it. Jerome put it like this, We hate those whom we fear, and we want to destroy those whom we hate. For example, Herod feared John, and it cost him his life. Fear makes a hard heart imprison truth in his conscience, because if truth had freedom and authority in the soul, it would execute every burning lust that rules there. And the one who imprisons truth in his own heart will never be imprisoned as a witness for truth. Thirdly, those who have no zeal against the enemies of truth. These are also impostors. Love is always armed with zeal. And she is ready to draw this dagger against all truth's enemies. Zeal acts like a fire. If it is pent up in the heart of a private Christian and cannot flame forth to punish evil, it burns inwardly, grieving and consuming the spirit of the Christian for not rescuing truth from stampeding profanity and error. It is no joy for a zealous lover to outlive his beloved. He would rather lie down with her in the dusty grave than span a lonely life without her. Let us also go that we may die with him, Thomas said, when Christ told him Lazarus was dead. The melancholy of living in evil times prompted Elijah's solemn prayer for death. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. The holy prophet watched as men courted idolaters and killed God's servants. He decided it would be better to leave the world rather than live in the torment of seeing the name and truth and servants of God trampled by the very people who should have known and shown the most kindness to them. But if zeal has any power to vindicate truth's cause, then her enemies will know without a doubt that she beareth not the sword in vain. 
As meek as Moses was and mute in his own cause, his heart was too inflamed with anger even to pray for his people as much as he loved them until he had vented zeal in justice upon the idolaters. Neutral attitudes, however, can see truth and error scuffling, but keep their distance and refuse to get involved in suffering for truth. The pastor, who does not have enough love and courage to defend truth in the pulpit, will not likely defend her at the burning stake. If the fire of love goes out, or dwindles so that it cannot melt the man into sorrow for the wrongs done to truth, where will the flame be which should enable him to burn to ashes under the hand of bloody men? If he cannot shed tears, he will not bleed for truth. The next topic, how to have hearts inflamed with love for truth. First, make your heart conform to truth. Likeness is the ground of love. A carnal heart cannot like truth because it does not resemble truth. How is it possible then for an earthly heart to love pure heavenly truth? It is sad when men's understandings clash with their affections, when judgment and will are so unequally yoked. Truth in the conscience, scolding lust in the heart. Like a quarreling couple, they may live together for a while, but the discontent will soon expel truth as Ahasuerus did Vashti, and espouse principles which will not cross his heart in its bent for sin. This has parted many men from truth in these licentious days. They cannot sin in peace and keep sound judgment at the same time. But if the power of truth has transformed you into its own likeness by the renewing of your mind and made you bear fruit like itself, he will never separate yourself from it. Before this could happen, you would have to part with the new nature which the Spirit of God has formed in you. But now there is a new union between you and truth, or between you and Christ, which can never be broken. A mighty power goes along with wedlock. Two persons who have barely known each other can leave friends and parents to enjoy each other after their affections have been knit by love and their persons made one by marriage. But a mightier power accompanies the mystical marriage between the soul and Christ, the soul and truth. This is the same person who, before conversion, would not have given a penny for Christ or his truth. And yet now, knit to Christ by a secret work of the Spirit, he can leave the whole world behind for oneness with him. A persecutor once taunted a martyr by asking him if he did not love his wife and children too much to die. Yes, answered the Christian, I, I love them so dearly that I would not part with any of them for all that the, the Duke of Brunswick, whose subject he was, is worth. But for Christ's sake and his truth, Farewell to them all. Secondly, let your heart be continually filled with the love of God. This will work in you a love for his truth. Love sees what is precious to its beloved and loves it for his sake. 
For instance, David's love for Jonathan made him inquire about his friend's descendants so he could show them kindness for Jonathan's sake. Love for God makes the soul inquisitive to find out what is dear to God so it can express tenderness to truth and thereby give love to him. God has placed a very high price on truth. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, Psalm 138.2. Let us look at a few of the ways God values truth. A. God's mercy to give truth. When God graciously provides his word to a people, he is giving one of the greatest mercies they can receive. He calls them the great things of his law. Whatever a people have from God's hand without his truth can no more be compared with that truth than Ishmael's portion, Hagar's bread and water, with Isaac's inheritance. And God, who knows how to prize his own gifts, said of his word which he showed to Jacob that he hath not dwelt so with any nation, that is, not so richly and graciously. B. God's care to preserve his truth. God has never let truth get lost. In shipwrecks, men do not try to save lumber and trivia of little worth, but only what is most precious to them. In all the great revolutions of kingdoms and churches, God has preserved his truth. Thousands of saints' lives have been taken away, but the devil despises truth more than all the saints. And this is what still lives. If truth were not so precious to God, he would not allow it to be purchased with the blood of his people, or most important, with the blood of his Son. In that great day, when the earth's elements will melt in fire, God's truth will not even be singed. The word of the Lord endureth forever. C. God's severity to the enemies of truth. A dreadful curse is pronounced upon anyone who adds to or takes away from truth. One pulls down all the plagues written in the Bible, and the other takes away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. It is no wonder that God values truth so highly when we consider what it is. Truth is the substance of his thoughts and counsels from everlasting to everlasting. It is the fullest representation that God himself could give of his own being so we might know and love him. Princes used to send their pictures by ambassadors to those that they hoped to win and marry. God is such infinite perfection that no hand can draw him to life but his own. And this is exactly what he has done in his word. And because of this, saints of every century have joyfully given their hearts to him. As we accept or reject truth, we accept or despise God. Although men cannot pull God from his throne and ungod him, they come as close as possible when they attack the truth. They execute God in effigy. Yet God never stops wanting those of us who love him to cleave to his truth. Now, we're going to stop there. It's hard to keep the Roman numerals in mind here, but 
We started with a section, How to Have Hearts Inflamed with Love for Truth, and we did Roman numeral one, Make Your Heart Conform to Truth, and then Roman numeral two, Let Your Heart Be Continually Filled with the Love of God. Next time, we will talk about meditating often on the excellency of truth. That will be Roman numeral three. Thank you so much again for being with us. And uh, you'll want to perhaps get this book for yourself. And there's a three-volume set called The Christian Incomplete Armor by William Gurnall. You can look that one up. You might want to have that. Otherwise, uh, just join me again next time. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And Lord willing, we will talk again real soon. Bye-bye.